uh, it was a big fight at home for me to leave because I didn't really want to leave. Why it's me and not you and all of those kind of things, but it made the most sense for me to leave and for him to stay. Hello and welcome to The Low Season, a podcast about tour guides navigating a pandemic. I'm Wouter Bernhardt and in this episode I'm talking with Mohammed, a student of politics and economics here in Berlin. Mohammed is originally from Syria. He came to Berlin in 2015 and has been part of a project called Refugee Voices Tours. His guided tours through Berlin draw parallels between German and Syrian history and consist for a large part of his own personal experiences fleeing the war. It actually was terrifying the first couple of times. Mohammed was studying in the Netherlands when Corona hit. He rushed back to Berlin and is now staying on the couch of a friend of his. Uh, when, for me, especially now, when the couch is this place to sleep and the place to read, that doesn't really help very much. <laughs> we speak about why the tours that he gives are more than just stories about conflict. But for me, it was more therapeutic. It helped me to process certain things that I went through. And what the future of guiding in Berlin might have in store for us. Maybe there will be more of a like a, a corona type of <laughs> tours and the places that uh, dealt with things the best and or the places that stayed alive. I've said this before, but some of the audio quality of earlier conversations is not great. Improvements are underway, but for now, stick with me. It's a really good conversation. Here is Mohammed. The, the reason why we're chatting is is because I'm, I'm making a podcast about tour guides in Berlin and how they all of a sudden were out of a job. And um, you gave tours as well. Could you maybe talk a little bit about what kind of tours you were giving and how long you've been doing that? Mm -hmm. So it's since 2000, uh, the end of 2015 when I met Lorna, which I think you've talked with also. Uh, and uh, she started this uh, organization called Refugee Voices Tours, which basically gives, a, you can say, a, a voice or give this platform for uh, refugees to tell their own stories. And we end up designing this tour that we called Why We're Here. And the idea is to try to explain and tell people why this flux of refugees coming to Europe, especially from Syria, since this is my story, uh, to tell people this is the reasons, this is the whys, this is the hows, trying to actually answer the question why we're here. Um, how many tours were you doing uh, a week? Uh, throughout the year, throughout the year, I would say on average about three tours a week. But we will have, you can say, some a couple of months or three months when we have like two or three tours a, a day and then some other days when we wouldn't have any. Did you find, um, how did you find public speaking? Standing in front of a group and uh, sort of, I mean, obviously you're telling your story. Um, did you find it easy at the start? Did it change over time? It actually was terrifying the first couple of times because... <laughs> We could, when we were setting it up, me and Lorna, we, we were just, she, because I didn't know the details of the German history, especially the spots that we decided to work on. So just for practicing that with Lorna the first time, and then she invited uh, 
a couple of her friends that are also tour guides just to also get you can say a professional opinion it was a bit uh, strange and weird to share my own story for complete strangers at the beginning but at a certain point it became just telling any other story so it just became with the rhythm yeah i i was i was wondering about that because i i talk a lot about things like the nazis and some horrible stuff that have happened in germany's past and people have asked me before like oh um don't you find it difficult to do and there's of course some sort of you're you get desensitized to it a little bit if you tell it over and over and over again it becomes a story then a reality whereas in your case of course what you're talking about is something that you've actually experienced uh, how, how do you find how do you find the balance between um, telling a story and telling what is your actual experience uh, the thing is like I yeah I've, I felt the same sense you were just describing and it's uh, it's sometimes it catch me on surprise when I see that people are shocked or just like give me this like uh, look sometimes you know be like oh yeah this is not normal so that people <laughs> will be surprised about certain aspects uh, I've tell it sometimes that it sounds normal but it's not uh, and which is a good thing it keeps me it keeps reminding me that uh, certain things shouldn't be normalized in a general sense so and it actually helped i would say it was a bit therapeutic in a way some people maybe wouldn't like to tell their uh, horror stories about themselves but for me it was more therapeutic it helped me to process certain things that I went through and discussing them was very helpful I would say are there are there things you don't speak about on your tour uh, yeah there's definitely plenty but especially the things that not maybe relevant that I wouldn't mention but uh, you can be surprised how many personal questions people will ask you. <laughs> and sometimes the tour that's supposed to be two hours end up being six hours. So do, do you find that, do you have a, yeah, do you, do you find it problematic that are, are people like um, sort of sh uh, unashamed to sort of ask you very personal questions? I would say some, you can say feel unashamed. They will feel like, uh, which I don't blame them for. It's a platform that I decided to open up and uh, be the subject of, in a way. You can. I don't take it with a lot of salt. It's just like, yeah, it, this could have been asked in a much better way. But okay, I know what you mean, and I'll try to <laughs> to answer to the best of my ability. Mm -hmm. How how do you how do you feel that now that you can't do the tours anymore the workshops how do how do you how do you sort of deal with the fact that you can't tell your story anymore and i mean this is not only you just uh, making a little bit of money on the side it's not just you being on 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 the street doing something and telling your story it's also something that you and lorna and some other people just found it right it's it's something that yeah it's 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 your business so to say it's your project that's you can say the main concern for me with this particular project that 
maybe we're not gonna recover since people will be you can say maybe uh, concerned about other things or this will just die out because there's more things to talk about now or travels generally will become less of a thing for people so I don't know when you when you say people are more interested in in other things what what, what do you mean maybe there will be more of a like a uh, corona type of <laughs> tours and the places that uh, dealt with things the best and or the places that stayed alive throughout this uh, so i don't know it's a weird times we're living in now so things <laughs> could be uh, the, the themes could be quite different uh, or we just might recover but much uh, in a slow way to get there uh, but it's you can say as in many things now we can't really tell how things gonna go or the industry itself how quickly it could recover and if people could actually survive till it recovers you and what about yourself like um are you just focusing mainly on your studies at the moment like uh how, how do you keep yourself busy well what does your daily daily routine look like yeah it's mainly that i uh, just uh, uh practically now also they've reduced the kind of online courses we have we have just more of like readings and writings that we should do but uh the thing is that uh i was waiting for this some extra time to do some things on the side and a lot of ideas that i wanted to do i needed to go into writing a bit but uh i don't feel that i'm in the mindset for that now why why do you think why do you think it's so difficult to sort of get yourself in the mindset to do these other projects? Because I think it's when days become, uh, that you can't differentiate between the days as they go. Every day is like just the day before. So it'll be like, yeah, whatever I can, they didn't do now. I can just do it tomorrow. And then tomorrow comes the day after and all of that. So, you just keep pushing things away and you're still also not actually doing anything. Either you're just on social media or reading something or whatever. Uh, and that just the day goes by. But the, 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 the factor to actually have a different scene, uh, seeing different people, uh, even just feeling that uh, this urge of being productive Usually that comes when you have, you can say, a kind of a routine, a schedule. And I'm not just saying about like, time, also just the place itself. Like I go there and I do that and I eat there and then I come back home because I need to do this and this and this. But since all of that needs to have, go in the same spot, it's difficult to maneuver that in a way or manage it. Uh, when for me especially now when the couch is this place to sleep and the place to read that doesn't really help very much <laughs> how, how do you uh what do you do at home uh are you eating together with the four of you or are you sort of keeping each other company a little bit or is everybody doing their own thing a little bit a bit of all basically so some of us have almost the same time to wake up some of us just sleep till noon uh so or afternoon even so it depends 
what's going on in the day, but we try to have the main meal all at once uh, together, even if it's really late. Uh, no, so one of them is actually now just got unemployed just before this started, which is uh, extra annoying. Uh, the other one uh, also was uh, working on in a cafe, which is also not working now. Uh, so it is difficult in that regard. And uh, the third one is actually my brother that he just came here. He just came here for uh, a research, uh, which was a miracle to begin with, to make it happen. Uh, but now also he couldn't do any of the meetings and doing talking with people and writing the research and his visa will expire by next month basically so <laughs> even the research is not going anywhere sorry that's i feel this is getting very grim now so <laughs> it's things doesn't seem that grim here we're still having our own fun we're doing our own things <laughs> so what 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 is so what does fun look like i mean tell me then about the the things that are <laughs> what, what do you guys do for fun so we so we're all uh we're all syrians and we discuss certain things that uh we all, and maybe trying to be a bit nostalgic, especially when my brother came here and he's uh, like he stayed in Syria until he came here uh, about three, four months ago. And just discussing certain aspects of what we remember, what he knows, how things are going on. And uh, I feel it's like our way to process things. Whenever you talk about a tragedy, we end up. Uh, uh, you can say making it a comedy because it's just so ridiculous that you can't not laugh about it. <laughs> so that in a way uh, has its own uh, vibe and fun in a way. Uh, what, 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 kind of, what kind of things do you talk about or what, what kind of things are you nostalgic about? Uh, it's, I would say primarily people. Uh, like, uh, especially because we're all, we're just, you can say young adults when this started, uh, or early twenties, mid twenties. So, uh, you'll miss the people around you, the friendships that you had, the things that you've done, the hopes that you had, those kind of things that you would, uh, uh, be nostalgic about. Uh, and then when we ask our my brother about uh, certain, you can say, places or uh, markets or maybe even restaurants that we're nostalgic about back home when he says like, yeah, it's not the same, <laughs> even though in some places that maybe the destruction didn't reach there, but it's still, it's just not the same. When, when was the last time you had seen your brother? Uh, since I left, which is 2013. Wow. Yeah. So how was that seeing him again? Uh, <laughs> it's like if I just left him, like it just left the, it just felt that nothing changed, which I loved that this is how it went. It, Cause that's five, six years ago now. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's seven years, seven years. And wow. Uh, I went and, uh, 
you can say picked him up from the airport and like we didn't even say hi we just dodge in in a uh, in a conversation like if we seen each other the day before which is like which is better than anything i would have hoped for yeah uh yeah especially because also he's studied economics back home and he's doing he he's finishing his phd there and now he's doing a research here so he's also been like a big help for me here to like put things in from what i know to what things are today and also from an expert point of view did you talk or do you talk at all about the fact that he stayed and you left uh, definitely, because there was like, uh, it was a big fight at home for me to leave because I didn't really want to leave, but that's what uh, we end up, you can say, like discussing in depth how, why should I leave, why it's me and not you and all of those kind of things, but it made the most sense for me to leave and for him to stay. Uh, especially because he, he was still in his studies, things were going well relatively f for him not to be dragged to the military service. Uh, for me, it was uh, the threat was there, so I might have been taken at any moment. So that's why uh, for me it was like, okay, it's a matter of uh, doing it than actually discussing it at this point. Just having your brother all of a sudden live in your house or in the house that you live in in Berlin, you know, and then him spending time there and talking about how it is back home and your life here, I must be must be very strange as well. As well. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it is a bit strange, but also it's like now it's like okay, we're both forced to actually catch up and. <laughs> To actually discuss uh, how things went and all of that I would say I'm trying to see it in a very positive sense it's like okay I oh, I was complaining that I was going abroad and my brother is in Berlin and I can't see him and now okay I'm here we're in each other's face all day so <laughs> there's nothing to complain now <laughs> Uh, and the studies are still going on. I think maybe the tours are uh, going to be hit a bit and maybe we're not going to recover till like mid next year. But uh, I think a lot of people got hit by this even worse than us. So, it, And I, I'm pretty sure that we're still going to read and talk and write about this for like years to come. Because this is not something that anybody expected or seen or even experienced before. And the uh, you can say the effects of it on the social life, the political life, the economical life, the uh, even the personal life and how things go for people and what they care about and what they don't and the kind of like personal decisions that they make. This is still going to be something we're going to keep talking about for years. That was Mohammed, dear listeners. And I think he's right when he says that we're going to talk about this for years to come. Also kind of crazy how the virus has created this tunnel vision where nothing else except for COVID-19 matters in our lives. I saw this great sketch last month where an Australian comedian goes back to meet herself in the past to warn herself about the upcoming coronavirus. 
Her past self, however, is completely absorbed by the Australian bushfires and can't believe that these fires will not be the divining moment of 2020. On that same note, it's easy to forget that right now, huge amounts of refugees are stuck in camps in Greece, Turkey and Syria, getting little help, no prospect on asylum and where the virus might strike hardest when it finally arrives. Interesting links and materials can be found in the show notes as always. If you think somebody is definitely missing and needs to be interviewed on this podcast, shoot me a message at thelowseasonpodcast at gmail.com. The Low Season is produced by me, Wouter Bernhardt. Music is by Mark Schilders. Artwork by Sergio Membrias. Giorgio Riungo is the phosphorus on a match. Tomorrow we're back with someone who has been a guide even before the Berlin Wall came down. I really need full-size people and of course I want to hug them and do things like that. Speak soon, my friends.